Good morning. Happy Easter. My name is Doug. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's great to celebrate Easter with you guys. You look great. You got the kids here all dressed up, and you're here to celebrate Easter. That's really cool. So it's really good for us to remember that we're not just doing this here in Iowa City. Like, this is going on all over the planet. There are millions and millions of believers in Jesus Christ who are gathering in all kinds of settings under thatched roofs or in packed in little apartment buildings, um, some in churches like we get to. But they're all uniting around this amazing uh, event that Jesus Christ was dead and he came to life. The word of the morning is resurrection, all right? And so something happens really in a lot of, I've been able to celebrate Easter in other contexts. In all over the world, there's, there's a tradition that happens a lot of places that somebody up front like me shouts out, he is risen, and then the crowd shouts back, he is risen indeed, all right? So let's join in on what's happening kind of all over the world today. I'll go, and then you guys got your line. It's, he is risen indeed, all right? So, he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let's do it again. He is risen. That is awesome. And so we gather around that today, and that is uh, really tucking into what we've been talking about this spring as a church. We've been going through the Gospel of John. It was written by one of Jesus' closest friends on the planet when he lived here. And John, the guy that wrote it, wanted us to know that Jesus is the Christ and that we can have life in his name. And so one thing John did in his Gospel was he grabbed some statements that Jesus made. He made seven statements where he said, I am, and then he would describe himself and what he wants to do in our life. So he said, I am the light of the world. He said, uh, I am the bread of life. He said, I am the good shepherd. And today we're looking at this statement where Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And so to resurrect literally means that something is dead and then it is made alive. And so it's interesting, over the last couple of weeks, I've heard that word used in other contexts. So like last Sunday, uh, there was a career that was resurrected. If you're a golf fan, uh, Tiger Woods had not won the Masters in 14 years. And so last Sunday, they started the Masters early, which means during the third service, uh, Tiger was already golfing. Most people were maybe ready to go home after church and watch, but because of storms coming into Augusta, they slid the whole tournament up early. So third service last week, I'm hearing things like, go Tiger! And I'm thinking like, wow, they're into my sermon today. Like, man, just, just let it go. I'm hearing, you the man. It's like, yeah, good. Let it go. I wasn't quite sure to do with like, get in the hole. Like, I didn't know what that meant, but just, just kind of went with it. But yeah, Tiger's like, career, a lot of people are saying like, out of nowhere, even Tiger himself at times thought he would never be able to compete again. And so a career was resurrected. It's maybe not too, it hasn't been too much time that has passed since a franchise was resurrected, right? In 2016, we got some Cub fans still in the house, like they win a World Series, first time in how many years? It is starting to fade, like it is three years ago, but it's still okay to talk about a franchise, right, being resurrected. Even in the business world, was reading and heard the phrase, how the Marvel Corporation, Corporation has, has been uh, resurrected in the 90s when print comics was plummeting. The company almost just gave it up until they decided to start telling some of their stories through movies. And now Marvel is a billion-dollar industry with Spider-Man and Iron Man and Endgame, Avengers, all this stuff, right? So you can hear it in other contexts, uh, but this morning we are hearing it uh, from the lips, from the heart of Jesus Christ, that he is 
the resurrection, and the life. And so what that means this morning is we need to bring this to here because sometimes we talk about resurrection. We either go back 2,000 years and talk about Jesus' resurrection. Did he really rise again from the dead? Or maybe some of us just push it forward. Like there's a day where I'm going to die and resurrection will be a big issue to me then. But here we are in the middle. A lot of times we just like, what, what's the big deal about resurrection? So here's the deal. Like imagine that each of us could sit across a table this morning from Jesus Christ. And he, he loves you and he would just sit there and just look right into our lives. And full of compassion, not to judge you, uh, just full of love for you. Like the chances are, I'd say 100%, that he could look into every heart here and find some, some dead spots, some areas where he could infuse some life. And so that's, that's the tone I want for us this morning, is that to take this statement Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life, and let him speak that to us this morning. So two years ago, during this weekend, it was after the last service, I was out by the, the Connect counter just talking to people, and a guy came up to me, and he said, something happened to me in there. And so I, I love being a pastor here. I love this church. Um, I, ha I have to be honest with you where my thoughts first went. Like I thought one of you guys did something rude to this guy. When he, that's just the way he said it. Something happened to me in there. Like I thought somebody, whatever, was rude to his wife or kids or pushed him out of his seat, whatever. But then he went on to elaborate that he was in a very dark place, a very hard time, and he felt that God spoke to him in here. So I've been able to track with this guy for a couple years. We've gotten together a couple times in the last couple weeks. And he really wanted you to hear his story. Especially, he had in mind uh, people like him two years ago uh, that didn't want to be here. He, he rarely went to church. And yet, he learned some things that have continued uh, to challenge and change his life. So I want you to meet my friend. Let him tell his story. I got a phone call one day at work from my son and he said, you know, dad, I need to talk to you. Um, I have to tell you something and it's not good. You know, he shared with me that he had, had attempted to take his life and we, we drove down to Iowa City in a, in a snowstorm and uh, we went, we admitted him through the emergency room. And on, on Easter of 2017, um, he had been in the hospital for about a month at this point. And the hospital staff and the doctors had given us our first pass to, to take, be able to take our son uh, for two hours um, off the unit and spend some family time with, with him. My wife is um, a very strong Christian um, and she wanted to go to church with, with the family and the time that we had with our son. And I'd, although I didn't say it, I was really upset and I did not want to spend the two hours I had with my son in church. And Pastor Doug 
came on stage and he said, he said, if you don't, you know, he said, you all, everybody's dressed nice today and happy Easter and good job for pulling it together, guys. Um, but if you don't feel like you belong here, um, please know that God knows what you need and you're in the right spot. And it, it, it was comforting. Um, and then to hear about Jesus and how essentially God gave his son Jesus for us and I'm sitting with my son who I'm terrified of losing um, I felt the need to uh, to connect with Pastor Doug and I just shook his hand and I said you know I, something happened in there that, um, something something moved me in there today and but it wasn't until two days later I said God I I have no man I have no right to ask you for anything but I'm broke man I'm I can't do it anymore I can't fix this stuff and I knew that God heard me when I prayed then and I felt a comfort, um, and it, I explained to Pastor Doug, it, it felt like a hug from Jesus. It was about three days after that moment, um, uh, we got a call from the doctors in the hospital from Iowa City, and um, they said, hey, you know, I think you, I think you can come pick up your son. For two years now, from that that Easter in 2017, and I have my son back, and I, I, I know I, I couldn't have done that on my own. So if, if today you're feeling like I felt on Easter two years ago, that you don't belong here or you don't know why you're here, and if it's you, man, just please try, try to talk to somebody here before you walk out the door today. Shake Pastor Doug's hand one time. Or tell your friend next to you or a stranger next to you. And just speak from your heart to God and let God know what you need. And I'm telling you, man, there's hope. There is hope. And that's what I wish for you on this Easter. Thanks. Thanks for listening to that. And um, let me invite you into a time of prayer. What we're going to do is we're going to look at this story in the Bible where Jesus said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And so before we do that, I want to give you a chance to pray. And could you just ask uh, Jesus to speak 
to you to, again, imagine that consult. It's you and Jesus, and he lovingly wants to point out some areas in your life where he wants to give you life. Just ask him, Jesus, would you please speak to me? Show me where you want to give me your life. And then if you could pray for me just to stay out of the way this morning, for me to be very clear and just point you to what Jesus said and what Jesus taught. Just pray for me to do that well this morning. Jesus, we love you. Thanks for what you've done for us. Speak to us now. and We're ready to listen. In your great name we pray. Amen. So if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, you can turn to John chapter 11, verse 21. If you don't have a Bible and you don't know what I just said, John and some numbers, there's an, that's totally fine. There's an outline in your bulletin. You can just follow along uh, with where I'm going, and that would be great. So John chapter 11, verse 21. Uh, what's going on right before this is that Jesus has been traveling and teaching and doing ministry, and he got a message and the message was this, the one you love is sick. The one you love is sick. As it turns out, this was Jesus' friend named Lazarus, and Lazarus was very sick, and so that was the message Jesus got. And so in, it took Jesus a while to get to where Lazarus was, but by the time Jesus was there, Lazarus had been dead for four days. All right, And so as part of Jewish custom at that time, there were still a lot of people around the family. There was still grieving and mourning going on. And so that's where Jesus was, and that's what he's stepping into. And Jesus was very close to Lazarus and his family. Lazarus had two sisters that we're going to meet in this story. One was named Martha. One was named Mary. And so when Martha heard that Jesus had arrived, she came out to him, and that's where we pick it up in John chapter 11, verse 21. And Martha says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You, you get the impression that as Lazarus was dying and sick, that there was people just saying that over and over again. If only Jesus were here. If only Jesus could just come and just touch Lazarus. And so the first thing she says when she sees Jesus is just kind of that outpouring that they had been thinking and saying out loud during the days of Lazarus' sickness. And there's something interesting here. That same statement we're going to see was made a few minutes later in our time here uh, by Mary, the other sister. But there was something about Martha's question that Jesus knew that she needed some explanation. She wanted a conversation. All right, she wanted a reason about what's going on. So Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, well, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So like I talked about earlier, when you bring up the concept of resurrection, there's something in us that just kind of pushes that way forward. Oh, yeah, I know there's a day, you know, and some people will phrase it today. I know there's a day where we'll all go to heaven. I know there's a day. And and those aren't, those aren't necessarily true. And so, uh, again, for us, the temptation is either to go back to Jesus' resurrection or go forward to our, you know, need for resurrection. Um, but Jesus is trying to bring it into the now, into this moment. And so Martha says, oh, yeah, he'll rise again in the last day. And Jesus said, that's when he said, I am the resurrection and the life. 
Whoever dies and believes in me will live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So he's saying, Martha, I've got something now for Lazarus, and I've got something now for you. And so uh, interesting that Jesus knew this is what Martha needed. And so maybe even for some of us this morning, as we've opened the lid now on why is there suffering? Why is there hardship? Why is there brokenness? Some of us need answers to those questions. And so from the life of Jesus and the teachings of the Bible, uh, there's an explanation for this. There, there are reasons for this, that when you read the first couple chapters of the Bible, God created us, man and, male and female, in his image. And the first thing God did to that first man and woman when he made them was bless them. Like that's the God we worship today. He made us, we're in his image, and he longs to bless us. That was the original setup. But when you get to Genesis chapter 3, you find that that first man and woman believed a lie that God is not good, that God is holding out on us. And so they turned and they rebelled against God. And it was at that point that sin entered the world and brokenness and death and being cut off from the love and the life of God. And so since Genesis 3, as you read through the Bible, uh, the world has been crying out, who is the one who's going to lift the curse? And it's, it's easy for us maybe this morning to look at Genesis 1, 2, and 3 and look at the first man and woman and go, you morons. Like, how could you do that? How could you turn away from such a good God? But the only problem is we do the same thing. Like, we're complicit as well. And so um, the Bible says that every one of us have turned our backs on God. We've rejected God. We do our thing instead of his thing. Or we hurt the people in our lives that were made in his image that he loves a whole lot. And so, so there's so many things we do that cut ourselves off from the life and the love of Jesus. And so uh, when the Bible talks about sin, and if you've been around me, you've heard me say that in this room and everybody watching live stream, I am the number one sinner here. You guys can fight for number two. I had a guy last hour that was ready to fight me out for the number one spot. But when I say that, I know I've been with me every day of my life. I know my thoughts. I know what I've done. And, and we all have offended God, okay? So, so now we live in a world that is broken. But what Jesus came to do, so in this story right now of Jesus, Lazarus, Mary, Martha, if you move forward just a few months, Jesus... Um, was hung on a cross. He was innocent. He never sinned. He was put on trial, beaten, hung on a cross, and he died. And so the whole story there is the reason Jesus did that was that he took the penalty that we deserve, that we deserve death because we have sinned against a holy God. We deserve that punishment. But Jesus took that for us. All right, and so, so now when Jesus died and then rose again from the dead, it shows that he has power. He's the authority over sin and death and that he now, through Jesus, we can have our relationship with God restored. We can have the life and the love of God connected in our lives again. That's what Jesus came to do. And so as Martha's coming out with her questions, we see that Jesus has uh, something to offer to a broken world, and that's himself. He came to defeat our enemies of sin and death. And so, so that's, that's what he came to do. And so well, we could ask a question this morning, and there's some people here that would go, okay, you've given me some reasons and, and, and some facts, 
But there's that statement that says, I don't really care what somebody knows until I know that they really care. And so maybe that was more of Mary's story because when Mary came out to Jesus, you'll see she said the exact same thing to Jesus, but he responded in a totally different way. So if you jump down to verse 32 in John chapter 11, it says that when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet saying, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, where, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. All right, so uh, a couple things here. Jesus responded totally differently, not with reasons and facts, but he just responded with emotion. And there were two strong emotions that erupted here. One was anger. All right, so the, as we were reading through it, I think the words were a little soft there as far as like troubled or distressed. If you looked at how those words were used, Jesus was deeply agitated. He was angry. You say, well, what was he angry at? He was angry to see people that he loved so much in grief. He was angry at what death was doing to his friends. He was angry at the curse of sin and what it was doing to God's world. And so he was angry at this situation. You know what else? I think he was angry at the disbelief that people still were not seeing who he was and what he could do in this situation. So you have the anger, but you also have the sadness. He's weeping. In fact, the shortest verse in the Bible Jesus wept. Repeat after me. Jesus wept. You memorized a Bible verse. Somebody could say, hey, what'd you do on Easter? You say, I memorized a Bible verse. Jesus wept. There you go. You got one. Start building from there, right? So, but how awesome it is that, that Jesus wept. And you say, well, why did Jesus weep? Because he came to be God with us. He didn't come just as the answer man, kind of floating through our life, like Teflon, and nothing sticks to him. Like he came to be one of us. When we cry, he cries. When those he loved weep, he weeps. Like for him, this whole problem of sin and death and suffering wasn't just something to reason. It was something to experience. And he experienced it with us. I, this is probably, in the last few weeks especially, I've had a lot of conversations with people that are still trying to figure out who God is and they don't believe yet. And this is one of the most common questions I'll hear is like, well, how can I believe in a God that just doesn't care about all the stuff that's going on and the evil and suffering? And I've learned to say, well, I don't believe in that kind of God either because I look at Jesus and the God he reveals to me is a God who comes into our suffering. Like he doesn't just stay out of it like he totally could have, but he chose to enter into our suffering and to walk through suffering with us and for us. In fact, remember this whole Lazarus story? If you fast forward a few months and you have Jesus hanging on the cross, that shows the depth to which he was willing to suffer with us and for us. In fact, I'll state that I think the greatest suffering that has ever happened to any person on the planet was when Jesus died on that cross. From the descriptions of what it was like to be crucified, it was an incredibly painful experience. But add to that, 
this spiritual realm where Jesus was hanging on the cross, taking the punishment for all of our sins. Like when you see something wrong and you look at that, you go, man, that's not right. Something needs to be done to, to pay for that. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Like every sin that I've committed, that you've committed, that this whole world has committed was poured on him on the cross. And so the holy anger and wrath at a holy God at every sin and injustice was poured on Jesus. And so that suffering, I cannot even imagine. I mean, I can, I've caught glimpses of what my sin does to me or how it hurts other people. And that, that leads to suffering. But can you imagine the sins of the whole planet poured on Jesus? He stepped into that willingly because of his love for us. So we do not have a savior who just kind of stands back and watches us suffer. We have a savior who stepped into our suffering to set us free from the suffering. Because through Jesus, if you trust in Jesus to save you, you no longer have the wrath of God poured on you. You make the amazing, the amazing trade of taking Jesus uh, and uh, you give him your sin and he gives you his life that he bought for you on the cross. That's the Jesus we follow. That's the Jesus uh, that we serve and that we worship today. Okay, so some people might say, okay, I've got thinkers in my life and that's okay. And I've got some feelers in my life. That's okay. I mean, I want somebody who's going to do something. Like, I want a doer. Like, what does Jesus do for all of this? And you jump to verse 30, 38. And it says, Jesus was deeply moved again and he came to the tomb and it was a cave and there was a stone that laid against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha spoke up and said, Lord, uh, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And then they took away the stone, and Jesus prayed out loud so everybody would know that he was working with the Father, that the Father was giving him power and authority. And then he said with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out. And his hands and his feet were bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. So when I've read this story in the past, like I, I do tend to spend some time like what would it have been like to be Martha and what were her questions and and how did Jesus reason with her? Or what was it like to be Mary and just to fall at Jesus' feet and weep and to have him cry with you and to be angry at the situation just like you were? Like, how awesome would that be? But, but I've never thought much until this week, like, what would it be like to be Lazarus? Like, so you've, you're dead and you're kind of wrapped up and you're just, you're just in a tomb. Like, I don't know what that's like. You're just sitting there like, I'm dead. I'm dead, I'm still dead. Like, I don't know what you do, you're just there, and then suddenly, you just hear this voice, Lazarus, somebody calls your name, Lazarus, come forth, and you go, you just start walking out, and you're kind of struggling here, you're all wrapped up, and there's something covering your face, but, but how awesome that is, to be Lazarus. I'm dead, I'm dead, I'm dead, to just like, you're coming out, and so when you come out, and somebody takes off that cloth over your face, and then just right away, who do you see? Like, you just, you see your best friend. You see Jesus, like, just smiling. And there's still streaks of tears. 
but he's just right there looking at you. I am the resurrection and the life. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful story. And what a powerful statement by Jesus Christ. And again, let's have that consult again this morning. Jesus looking at you and saying, come, come forth. Like, come out. Like, whatever it is that's been binding you up, you know, like, I don't belong here. I don't deserve God to hear me. Like, my friend a couple years ago, and that's not the heart of Jesus at all. It's like, I died for you. I love you. I suffered for you. Like, whatever it is that's binding you up this morning, just come out. Come forth. And he's looking at you, not to judge you, not to beat you down, but he's calling you forth to set you free. And he's here to do that right now. Again, don't push resurrection to the past or to the future, but he can look right now into that dead spot in your life, that broken relationship, that issue with anger you got. Man, you're so discouraged. Um, you're afraid. Like, whatever that is, man, Jesus just sees it. And again, not to shove your face in it, but to call you out of it. He's just calling your name today. And he's saying, would you just come forth? Would you trust me? I am the resurrection and the life. So right now you could be hurting and you just need to understand that the Son of Man uh, was slaughtered on a cross for you. You can think there could be nothing more heinous than that. So whatever it is that we're facing right now, God can step into and deliver you from and do amazing things through it. But you gotta trust him. You gotta step forth. He's calling your name this morning. Or right now, you might think, you know, the battle I'm facing right now is so intense. My addiction, uh, my anger, my relationships, I keep screwing stuff up. And you just look at the power that Jesus had to come back from, from the dead. And the Bible says that same power that worked in Jesus Christ is now available to us through his Holy Spirit. You put your trust in Jesus Christ, and you watch what Jesus can break you free from in your life. So... Um, in your bulletin, there's a link where some of the pastors here have given some resources that could really help you understand what is, this, what is this whole resurrection thing about? Did Jesus really rise again from the dead? Because some of this is a, an intellectual a reasoning kind of issue. When I was raised uh, by my parents, it was a Christian home. I believed all this. And then I came to Iowa in my undergraduate years, and I didn't know any Christians right away. And a lot of people were asking me questions about my faith, even being skeptical about it. And where uh, somebody advised me to look was at the resurrection of Jesus. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible tells us if Jesus didn't rise again from the dead, this whole thing is a joke. Like, don't go to church again. Like, if Jesus didn't rise, the Bible says you are still in your sins and we're to be pitied more than all people. So there's an invitation from the Bible that says, check it out. And so that's what I did. I looked, and there are some amazing evidences. In fact, if you took all the scholars today and historians, um, there would be a, a, a majority percentage that believe in these four things. Even if they are not Christians, they believe in these four things. That there was a historical Jesus, that he did die on a cross, that his... Uh, eyewitnesses that his followers said that he was alive, that he came back to life, and that his tomb is empty. Guys, those are amazing, uh, historically verifiable 
facts and evidences. And those kind of things helped me. Like what helped me was how could this Christian message spread so quickly in this same area where it actually happened? Like if you wanted to just snuff out Christianity at the beginning, all you had to do was show the body of Jesus, but nobody presented his body. Like that was helpful to me. And also to see how radically changed his followers were when they saw Jesus alive. 11 of the 12 uh, were killed uh, uh, or suffered for saying that Jesus was risen from the dead. And so those kind of things I encourage you to investigate. But as a, as a pastor over the years, some other evidences for me is that I feel like as a pastor in people's lives, I get a first a front row seat of seeing Jesus be the resurrection in the life. I'm seeing him restore marriages. I'm seeing him restore relationships, help people confront and overcome addiction. I'm seeing him bringing hope and healing in some very hard places. Like that, that helps me. Like I have the evidence and the facts, but I see even what he's doing in my own life. And so my invitation, my encouragement this morning is that we take Jesus up on this statement that we take Jesus up on this offer to be a consultant in our lives this morning, to look into our lives and to say, where do you need this risen Jesus who is resurrection and life? Like, where do you need him to bring uh, life into areas that are dead? So what do you have to do? I've been hearing that the last couple weeks from people. Do I have to become a Bible thumper? Somebody said, um, different things. Could I just encourage you this? Where you start is when Jesus, in the book of John, John 3, 16, it said this about Jesus. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. Like it doesn't start with what do you do? It starts with what did Jesus do for you? And just like Lazarus, I'm dead, I'm dead. I mean, that's you, you're powerless. You can't bring life to your areas of death. You need to trust Jesus. So step one is to believe in Jesus. Admit to God that you're a sinner, that you are broken, that you need him, and you trust what Jesus has done for you on the cross. That's step one. And then there's some other things that I've given you in your bulletin. Like I would say to tell someone, or if you have questions to ask someone, don't try to just figure this out alone. I would encourage you to start reading the Bible because this is how God will continue to speak to you and remind you of what's true to remind you of where to find life, to remind you of all that Jesus has done for you. And I would encourage you to do your journey with others. You are not wired to do this by yourself. Like to join a a group, to join uh, with some others that are pursuing Jesus in the life that he is offering you. And so, um, and somebody asked me, well, what's gonna happen to me? I would say what's gonna happen to you is that Lazarus is a great picture of that. That what was Lazarus like when he got out of that tomb? They unwound him, they took off his face cloth, and Jesus said, um, just set him free, let him go. Like it's the, it's the you that God created there to be, not the you shackled by sin or shame or guilt, not the you that's plagued with anger and fear, but the you that's set free to live life connected with the God who loves you and who gives you life. And the first ones to notice will be the people right around you, your family, your spouse, your friends, like it's, it's you 2.0, 3.0, 4.0, 5.0. It's you unleashed and unshackled from sin and death by the one who is the resurrection and the life. So let's pray. And I'm gonna give you a chance uh, just to interact with God here this morning. And again, just imagine 
This is Jesus looking at you. His eyes of compassion. He's not judging you. His eyes are welcoming you. And he's looking into your heart. Could you ask him this morning, Jesus, where do you see death? Where do you see brokenness? Where do you see fear? Let Jesus speak to those places because he wants to give you resurrection. And he wants to give you life. Your simple response is to trust him. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need your life. Jesus, thank you for what we celebrate today. It's real. You just weren't. It's not that you were the resurrection or you will be the resurrection, but you are the resurrection and the life. God, set us free. Jesus, thank you for your death, your resurrection, your love, your patience. Thank you for the life that you offer every one of us in this room. Help us take that step of just trusting you and believing you to be resurrection and life. In your great name we pray, amen.